Well, if you would take out the Word of God and turn to Psalm chapter 1, the first psalm. The psalm, psalms or the psalters are um, what we might say Israel's songbook. And it's no ordinary songbook. It tells a story. It has history to it. Um, and today we're going to look at Psalm 1 that teaches us how to be happy. What it looks like to be happy. And I know as we begin this year, um, you want to be happy. You're thinking about, how can I be happy this year? Either lose a little weight, eat a little differently, manage my finances better. And yet, this psalm teaches us to be happy. We have to be in the Word. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Psalm 1. If you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect Word. Psalm 1. Hear the word of Christ. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. Oh God, we want to be people who are rooted and planted in your word. And God, I pray that we would not make excuses about what it means to be people of the book. God, in a culture, in a world looking for something flashy, looking for something relevant, God, there is nothing more exciting There is nothing more fascinating. There is nothing more relevant than your holy word. And so, God, we want to be rooted in it because we want to flourish. We want to prosper. We want to know what it means to have joy in very difficult times. We want to know what it means to look to Christ in times of blessing. God, we want be a people of the Word because we want to be the people of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it was one of the most traumatic events in my young Christian life. I was a teenager and I had spent the weekend at a Dawson McAllister conference in Birmingham, Alabama. It was a great weekend. I remember being with my youth group and we studied uh, the passion of Christ and the details of the crucifixion of Christ. And I had learned so much over the weekend. 
But I'll never forget the moment I got home and I was getting ready for bed and preparing to go to school the next day, sort of on that mountaintop experience that you experience when you are part of youth events like that. And I'll never forget, I went to reach for my Bible, as I did every night, and it wasn't there. I couldn't find it. I began to look through all of my bags over the weekend, and I realized I had left it in the hotel that we had stayed in, and I was devastated. Now, some of you are thinking, that's because I was such a good Christian You're thinking, yeah, you read your Bible every night and you couldn't wait to study it before you went to bed. And yet, the reason I was so devastated, which was way more pagan than spiritual, because I don't know when I developed this habit, but at some point, uh, I guess as as an older child, before I was a teenager, I'd started sleeping with my Bible under my pillow. And I just sort of thought that doing that would keep me safe at night. Just sort of, uh, I guess by osmosis, somehow uh, it would keep my, my dreams pure or something. I don't know why. But I just started putting it under my pillow. Now, sometimes I would read it. But to be honest with you, not very often before I went to bed. It just became sort of a routine, and that's just kind of the way I am. I have to go through my routines day after day. And so now my Bible wasn't there, and so how in the world was I ever going to sleep? And I didn't sleep very well that night or the nights following until I got up to Lifeway in Nashville and bought another Bible just like it. Never found that Bible. I hope someone who loves it and cherishes it and read it and came to faith in Christ, got it. I had to suffer so greatly not being able to sleep several nights. But that's kind of the way I treated the Word of God as a teenager. I believe I was a a Christian. I believe I was a follower of Christ. But when it came to the Word of God, it wasn't something I was intent on studying, on reading, on being in on a daily basis. It was just kind of there. It was kind of like a rabbit's foot for good luck. And in 2020, we experienced a year where we needed more Bible than ever before. And yet there were so many who were looking for it and couldn't find it. And it's not because we lost the actual book. It's because for most of our lives, we have treated the Bible like a good luck charm. We're content with just being around the Bible, just having it in our presence and not being in the Bible, not being in the Word of God. And yet in Psalm 1, this beautiful description of the blessed man, we we see there is no blessing in just being around the Bible or having the Bible around. Yet the real blessing is To be in the Word, to be in the book, to delight in the book. And notice verse 1 starts with this word, blessed, which literally means happy. It means to be glad. That's what the word means. It means to have joy. It's actually written in its plural form. The word means happinesses or many joys 
or gladnesses. It's a plural form to emphasize the, the extent of the happiness that this person is to have. Notice he says, blessed or happy is the man who walks not. Now the word walks means to listen and obey and to ha- habitually do something. It is their way of life. And notice this person's happiness is because they do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, the wisdom of the wicked, those who are literally crooked and they have deviated from the path of God. You don't walk in the path of the wicked. Now, the Bible teaches us that wisdom is to fear the Lord, means to stand before God and have reverence from him and to say, I want to live my life in whatever way you say to live my life, because I. I fear you. You, you. you have weight in my life. But the counsel of the wicked is just the opposite. It is to disregard God. It is to have no fear of the Lord. And it is to live according to your own desires, which are crooked or wicked. They deviate from the path and notice where they lead. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way or the path of the sinners. This leads down a path of sin where you associate with sin. Those who are the opposite of God, those who have rebelled against God, they fall. They miss the mark of God's holiness. And to listen to the counsel of the wicked causes you to walk down this path and then it becomes your path. Notice this person stands in this way. This is this is where they are rooted. This is where they have aligned themselves. This is the direction of their life to walk towards sin with sinners. Notice, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This is the end result of the counsel of the wicked. You walk down this path until you become a scoffer, which is literally an enemy of God, one who mocks God. So you begin listening. It's okay to go your own way according to your own desires. Do what you want. Have no regard for God. And you head down that path to the point you are turning around, shaking your fist at God. Wanting no part of God. And and notice the progression. You're directed to walk in this way. You align yourself with this way. You stand in this way until you are in active opposition to God. We hear, we walk, and then we actively war against God. And the psalmist says to be happy, you have to avoid this path at all costs. He says you can't have your feet in one road way where you fear the Lord and on another path where you disregard the Lord. It doesn't work that way. If you want to be happy, you have to avoid the path of the wicked at all costs. Now, the problem with all of us here today is we tend to want to walk down the path of the wicked. That's the way we're wired up. And it began in Genesis 3. When, when what did Adam do? He began to listen to the counsel of the wicked one. 
who says God doesn't want you to be happy. God's withholding something from you. Did God really? You don't have to worry about what God has said. You don't have to have any fear for God. Do what you want. And Adam did what he wanted. And he led us down this path of sin away from God until Adam walks out of the garden on the path of sinners as an enemy of God, separated from God. And so apart from God, we are left to our own wisdom to figure out the world on our own. And what we do on our own is we listen to our hearts, which tell us to do whatever we want, which tell us you are the only God you should fear. And what you should fear most is not being happy. And so we end up doing whatever we want to make ourselves happy. And yet the psalmist says, no, 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 no. You will not find happiness on that path. Notice verse 2. But his delight, his joy, his gladness, his happiness is not in the counsel of the wicked, not in his own sinful heart, but in the law of the Lord, the revealed commands of the Lord. What God has called us to do, who God has called us to be, the law of the Lord. Notice of the Lord. This is the covenant keeping God of Israel. And we know in the beginning, God revealed himself to Israel through his law. This is who you are to be in the world. You are to be a holy people. Why? Because I am holy. I am set apart in complete righteousness and perfection. And that's who you are to be. And so he says, happiness is finding your delight in the law of the Lord and following his path to being a distinct people in the world, not the way of everyone else who follows the sinful path, the path of their own heart. No, the law of the Lord who makes you different and distinct. Notice he says on his law, he meditates day and night. The word for meditate is to. It's to ruminate, it's to consider, it's to mull over, it's not just to read, it's to continually think about. And the best imagery to describe it, maybe you've heard this before, is that of a cow chewing a cud. I don't know much about cows, but supposedly they have a few stomachs, I think, or how their stomachs work is they eat grass begin to digest the grass, and then the grass comes back up, and they chew on it some more. Now, some of you are shaking your head, that's not right. Well, I don't care if I'm right or not about cows. Because here's the point. In the same way, let's just say that that's right. That's a cartoon cow that does that. That is the way we are to be on the Word of God. We, we are to read it, digest it and then read it and digest it over and over and over and over again. We don't leave the nourishment that comes from the word of God over and over. We can never chew it all out. It's always there. Remember when I played football and they came out with that Gatorade gum. Some of you remember that? I thought that's the greatest thing in the world, Gatorade gum. And yet it was like one bite into that gum. 
It was like a squish of Gatorade and then it was gone. And then you had this piece of rubber in your mouth all practice. You thought if you stuffed it into your mouthpiece, you, you would have some sort of nutrition from it throughout practice. It's not the way it works with the Word of God. It's always there. It is always bringing forth gladness. And so you delight in it over and over. You ruminate on it. You maul on it constantly. Notice he says day and night. It, it, it never leaves you. You're always thinking about it. Now, for Israel, the law here was the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, that defined their history, the revealed commands of God, the story of God. That's probably what David is referring to here. But also in the first five books, there were laws that related to the king. There were laws that told David, the psalmist, what kind of king he was to be. He wasn't to be a king like the nations. He was a king who loved the Lord and obeyed the Lord and was given over to his commands at all times. David was to be a distinct king who, who lived for the glory of God. And David says, I can't get enough of those thoughts. Your law defines who I'm to be as a king in the world. Your the story of your faithfulness always reminds me of your promises that you will always be with me. And David says, I can't get enough of that story. I can't get enough of those commandments. They define my life from morning to night, and I'm constantly mulling over it. And yet here today, we have the whole story, not just the law. We have where the law is leading. The story of God's faithfulness from Genesis to Revelation. And it does include God's commands. God has called us to be holy. Ultimately, he's called us to be holy in Jesus. And he's told us this wonderful story that is to make us distinct in the same way the law was to make Israel distinct. From Genesis to Revelation. Then we are to give ourselves over to that story. We are to maul on it. We are to chew on it. It is to always be before us because, like David, it defines who we are. And it tells us where all of this is headed. And you will not be happy if you don't remember who you are in Christ. And you will not have joy if you don't remember where all this is headed. It's a lot of bad news constantly. It's going to keep coming. It's the world we live in. It's cursed. It's sinful. And yet you can have joy here because you know it's headed to a better day in Christ. And so your happiness is dependent upon mauling over it. Now, some of you are here today and you say delight in the law of the Lord. Like that doesn't make any sense. And you're thinking in the same way. I don't delight in the speed limit. I don't delight in tax laws. No, they make me miserable. I, I, don't, I, I don't delight over instruction in general. Putting together a basketball goal last week. I don't need instructions for that. It's a basketball goal. How hard could it be? I don't want instructions. We don't delight over laws. We, we, where does that come from? We, we, don't, we don't delight, even as we think about this in general, over the Word of God, over the stories of God. And we even come to the Bible and we say, I just can't delight in it. And if you're honest with yourself right now, that's who you are. You, you don't just drift toward the Word of God. Again, we drift toward the counsel of the wickedness. 
So where does this sort of delight come from? We say this a lot around here. It doesn't come from less of the word of God and more of the world. You're not going to delight more in the word of God if you read less of it and you give yourself over to more of the counsel of the wicked. You're not going to. It's not going to work. You're going to want more of the counsel of the wicked. And so interesting to me, and, and I even play these games with myself. I said, man, I just have a short attention span. Some of you here today are saying that. Can't listen to 45 minute sermons. I have a short attention span. And then you go home and you binge watch Cobra Kai for four hours. This doesn't make any sense. I don't have time to meditate day and night on the Word of God. That's overkill. And yet you walk around like this, meditating. Twitter, Facebook, likes, Pinterest. You meditate, meditate. You mull over pixelated images constantly. I don't, I don't have time for it. And yet you set timers on your TV. I got to see who gets the rose this week. Can't miss it. Got to see it. And you'll do whatever it takes. You'll move heaven and earth to get in front of that TV. And then leave disappointed. Then leave worn out. And leave tired. And stressed, anxious, and just as worried as you were before. It's not bringing you happiness. Those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. But we have time to mull over things. We have time to chew on things. Some of you say, I don't like to read, but you know the COVID stats in Zimbabwe. You know, detailed legal arguments over election fraud. And we'll talk about them for hours. And you say, I don't like to read. The reality is, what we give ourselves over to proves that it's not time. And it's not any kind of skill. It's an issue of delight. It's what you really delight in. What is it? And if you're a Christian here today, you say, I want to delight in the word of God. Well, where does that delight come from? You, you, you say, I want that. I know that's right. So where does it come from? Well, the psalmist used the same word in Psalm 37 when he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean when you delight in the Lord, he's going to give you what you want. It means the more you delight in the Lord, the more he changes your desires. And so the reality is, the more you read the word of God, the more you delight in the word of God, God's going to increase your desire for the word of God. The same way you delight in anything else, the more you give yourself over to it, the more your desires increase for it. And so we give ourselves over to the word of God so that we would have more desires for the word of God. There's great joy in taking the word, which is described as a hammer and smashing our desires so that God would give us his desires. There is joy in taking the word of God, which is described as a sword and cutting out our desires so that God would give us his desires. There is happiness in coming before the word of God, which is a fire 
that burns away our desires and replaces them with the desires of God. And the more we go through that process, that delight in those desires just increase and increase and increase in 2021. If you want to desire the word of God more, it's not going to come from having less of the word of God. It's giving yourself over. David describes the word of God as honey that he would do anything for. And getting to that honey is hard at times. You have to knock some bees out of the way and you have to dig in. But when you taste it, there is great delight. And I wonder this year if you will work toward it. We want everything to be. I don't have any tips. I don't have any tricks to making it easy. Just open it up and read it. Set aside time the same way you set aside time for everything else, the same way you are Googling everything else. Open the Word of God and give yourself over to it. Notice he continues, he describes the result. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. He says the one who is given over to the word of God, he is rooted. Now, the word rooted here means to be transplanted. It's not just to be planted. It means he has moved to a place of flourishing. Now, what's so odd about this picture is in Palestine, it was a mainly dry and arid place. And so to think of a vineyard or to think of a tree that is flourishing You had to realize it took some work to get that tree there. It it took some work to plant that vineyard. Someone had to. And notice he says by streams, multiple streams. This would have been a rare sight. And someone would have to work from one stream to another stream to make a place where there are multiple streams. Then they would have to take vineyards and trees and transplant them to this one area. And so what he says is the one who delights in the word of God, a transplanted tree, a vineyard that has been taken from somewhere else and put into a place of flourishing. And that's what God does for us when we are in his word. He takes us out of the dry desert of this world where we are thirsting to death. Our mouths are dry And we are tired and we are weary. And by the power of his word, he takes us to a place of flourishing where we thrive. And you can tell those who are in the word of God because they look different from the world around them. They are flourishing when they shouldn't be flourishing. They are an odd sight in a world that is depleted of nourishment. And notice he says in all he does prospers. He prospers. Now, we read that and we think, oh, if I, that's good. I ate my black eyed peas yesterday and cabbage. Now, if I read the Bible, I'll prosper this year. Have more money, have better luck. By the way, there's no such thing as luck. God is sovereign over all things. Anyway, let's move, move on. We, we say it this way. I will have good providence this year. But you think, I'm going to read my Bible, have my quiet time, and everything's going to get better. Now, I do want to say this. In general, it's always better to do things God's way. 
Opposing God's way never makes life easier, ever, in any way. But the Bible is not some self-help tip book that just makes life easier for you like a rabbit's foot. No, it means his end is prosperous. There are times in the Psalms where the psalmist goes, why are the wicked prospering? These people who hate you, they seem to have it all. And God over and over says, well, their end is destruction. And so you can appear to prosper for a short time, but if you're not rooted in the word of God, you will be destroyed. Now, what the psalmist is saying here is there is work. There is tilling the ground, working the ground. There is planting and you work and you work and you work and you're in the word of God. And eventually you prosper. Eventually good things come of that. Eventually you flourish. Eventually you reap what you sow. And if you're not in the word of God, you're going to reap what you sow. Because you're going to have times of difficulty. and You're going to dry up. Which is what he describes here. The wicked, they don't flourish. They are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked, those who deviate from God, those who don't fear God and do what they want. They're like chaff. Now, this refers to the outer layer of a seed. You think about grain. You think about wheat. It grows up. And as the seeds come forth, there were outer layers that, that I guess existed, but it busted off of. So when you harvest the wheat, you harvest the grain, you, you would toss it up in the air and all the bad old coverings, all that was useless would blow away. And then all that was left would be the good, the seed, what you want it, the fruit. And yet the shells are blown away. Now, Ultimately, there is judgment and chaff will not stand in judgment. Jesus talks about burning of the chaff, burning away what is useless. But even here in times of judgment, it seems as though he's referring to times of testing. There's a process in which all that is bad and useless will be blown away and you will be left with what is good. And God does that to us in the world. He puts us in times of difficulty and trial and suffering. It's like he sifts us. He throws us into the wind of suffering. And what is bad is blown away and what is good is left. And his point here is those who are latched to the word of God will always flourish even when the winds of suffering come. You will see what is good when everything is blown away and the dust settles. If you're rooted in the word of God, even when winter comes, your branches will not snap. If you are rooted in the word of God, even when the wind blows, you may bend, but you will not break. And when spring comes forth, you will see the fruit of such suffering. You will see what is good left behind. What is the value? If you're rooted in the word of God, if not, you're going to be blown away. This last year was a season of winter for many people. And there were storms and there was wind. And so I want to ask you this morning, what's left? What's left in your life? And I just want to take a minute and say, look around this room. Look around this room. How many people are here? Probably too many people. It is so good. 
to see this church standing after such a hard year and to look around and see people flourishing. It's so good. And it's good because I know the other side of the stories of people who aren't here this morning. Of people who aren't watching online and haven't stayed latched to the Word of God. I know stories of this year of Sunday morning only Christians who never open their Bible during the week and they chewed on and they regurgitated politics and mass debates and conspiracy theories. And they were blown away. They were blown away in division and hate and outrage. And they were led down the path of sinners and they are scoffing at God. It's like what we call as I think Josh Arthur is the first one that used this term in talking about people who were just struggling last year and had turned their back on God. COVID casualties. And it has nothing to do with people who died of the virus. It's people who were blown away by anxieties and worries and they were not latched to the Word of God. And they did not flourish in such a hard year. And yet I know people who are seated here today and they would not have chosen the cancer going into the year. They would not have chose the dysfunction going into the year. They would not have chosen their best friends to alienate them and isolate them going into the year. They wouldn't have chosen that. And yet they're here today. And they feel the roots of the gospel. And they're deeper and thicker than they've ever been. And they take more delight in the fact that the gospel is true and Jesus died for my sins and he lived a perfect life. And he's given me this unshakable promise. They believe it and they've lived it out in such a difficult time. And they flourished in the winds of suffering. And they made it through a winter of difficulty. And you see the leaves. And you see the fruit. And you see the firm foundation of the Word of God. You see it. I'm so thankful for it. Going into the year, I would not have chosen it. I did not want that. And yet I look around at all that God did. And He did it with His Word. Wasn't some ingenuity. We didn't know what we were doing most of the time this year. We look like idiots most of the year. On a trailer bed, outside, cars honking. I'm sure Paul had that in mind when he set forth his church planning strategy in the book of Acts. Oh, but the Word of God cannot be quarantined. And the Word of God is so good. And the people of God's Word continue to flourish. And so I want to ask you, will you prosper in 2021? You know, we flip the page on our calendar and our phones change. But it's the same world and you have the same heart. And you should have a new, refreshed attitude about living as a Christian in this year. But if you're not rooted in the Word of God, winter will come again. Will you be rooted and planted in the Word of God? Notice he continues, verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. They will not endure testing, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
No, the wicked, they deviate their path. Notice it leads to destruction. It leads to judgment. God will judge according to his law. All will be evaluated. Those who do not delight in the word of God, they will not be gathered with the righteous. Those who will be right inside and out. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's in, it, it, it's intimate knowledge of the way of the righteous because it is his way. It's the way he determines. The way of the wicked will perish. It will be raised to the ground. It will be burned and there will be nothing left. Here we see very two very distinct paths. The wisdom of the wicked or the wisdom that is revealed in the word of God. And the decision is what what will you choose? What will you choose this year? Where will you go to for wisdom? Because it's a very confusing time to find wisdom. We live in a time where everybody is wise. Everybody is a counselor. And all counsel has equal authority. From, from your Ph.D. friends to Lori down at the hair salon. They know everything. And they're going to give you counsel. And our hearts are like metal detectors in a junkyard. And we will be drawn to the worst counsel in the world if we leave it to its own. We will. And I, I just want to share with you the, the worst counsel. I, I've heard the worst counsel this last year than I've ever heard as a pastor. I've heard people who go to professionals. I've heard people who said, yeah, I talked to my friend and, and they're an expert in this field and they do this and and, and, and I would sum up all the counsel that so many people heard this year as this. Follow your heart. Do what will make you happy. Over and over, I've heard that over and over and over and over again. And I just want to warn you, if you follow your heart, you will follow it all the way to hell. Because your heart's going to go where your heart wants to go. It's going to go wherever it leads itself. And yes, your heart wants you to be happy and you should pursue happiness, but not according to your heart. Because your heart is wicked and Jeremiah 17, 9 says it is deceitful and it is wicked above all things. It's going to tell you what you want to hear. And you're going to run to counselors who tell you what you want to hear. And they're everywhere. Now, the best counsel you can have for this year is not follow your heart. Now, your heart is the worst counselor that will lead to a path of destruction. Now, the word wisdom and the word of wisdom this year is not focus on self, but focus on Jesus. And that's what we do in the word of God. The Word of God takes us away from our heart and focuses us on the only one who is perfect and the only one who is true and the only one who is right. Jesus is the only one you can trust. All other counselors are tainted with sin. And yes, you should seek the wisdom of others. And yes, there is good in that. But you always have to come back to the fact that only God's Word is true and right all the time. It's the only good counsel we have only good advice we have 
Now, the wisdom of the word is to focus less on self-blessing and more on the blessed man. And so as we read this, you're probably thinking, oh, wow, I'm not blessed because I don't delight in the word of God. You're probably thinking today, I am. That's why I'm not blessed. It's because I listen to the counsel of the wicked. Well, I have good news for you. In the word of God, we have the blessed man who is Jesus. And he did not listen to the counsel of the wicked. He was in a dry desert alone with not a pixelated screen to tempt him, but the angel of light who is Satan himself to tempt him. And he did not walk into the counsel of the wicked. He did not walk down the path of sinner. He was not led astray by Satan himself. You're probably here today and you think, I'm not blessed. I do not delight in the word of God. That's not even within me. I don't delight in the law of God. Well, I have good news for you. In the word of God, we have the man who did delight in the word of God. And he came not to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law for you. And he obeyed every jot and tittle of God's word. And he never sinned. He was completely righteous inside and out. That's the delight of the Word of God, not coming to the Word of God and saying, I gotta do more and I gotta be better and I, I gotta dig in and I, I, I've gotta, I gotta try harder. No, there is one who fulfilled all of this for us. He delighted in the Word of God and He fulfilled the Word of God for us. And so we look to Him and His perfect righteousness, not our own. And that's where our happiness is found. And that is where the Word of God leads us to the happy man. Who is Jesus, who never disobeyed God. And he walked down the path of sinners so that we here notice we would sit in the congregation of the righteous. Jesus was the one who was planted on a tree for us. And it is from his life that we flourish when we believe in him and his death and his resurrection for us. See, there's no blessing in just having a Bible around or being around the Bible. Carrying it, having it on our phone, posting it on Insta. That's not what's going to make you blessed this year. And you won't be safe at night by putting it under your pillow. No, that's actually counsel of the wicked. No. The way to flourish, the way to prosperity in this new year, the way to blessing is to be in the word and knowing the word is in us. And to know that the Lord knows the path of the righteous because it's his path. And when you're on his path, you know him 